You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We, of course, want to run the ball. We think that's got to be a good part of the recipe for what we do all the time. We have to be two things probably, a, a little more versatile for the, the long spell in the season. And when we are versatile, we have to be effective. I don't want to sound negative about running the ball well. Um, I think the focus for us was just needing to throw the ball a little better. Um, I, don't, I don't think anybody uh, should feel or does feel that, oh, we, 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 we were really bad in the game. We were really good running the ball and stuck with it. So that was a great thing about the game that uh, we played, and that was the one we were in. After a while, we kind of really figured out what, what our game plan was going to be for the rest of the game. We just had to execute up front and, you know, just making sure that we're making the right calls, uh, getting those guys in the right position, and I think second half we responded a lot well. And here we are. Welcome to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus as Nebraska was a season a week one victory over Fresno State 43-10 to this week. Craig Bull and Wyoming come into Lincoln. It's an 11 a.m. kickoff here on ESPN2, and it will be Craig Bowles' first time in Memorial Stadium since being fired uh, following the 2002 regular season when Nebraska went 7-6, and six, one year removed from playing for the national championship. Uh, but let's first get, before we get to Craig Bowles, let, let's first get to, um, you know, the kind of the storyline this week. I, I mean, it's almost been like full circle. You know, there's the run the guy ball that wants to be run, 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 run. But now it's almost like pump the brakes. Okay, we want to run, but maybe not as much as we saw Saturday. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, the, the conversation all last season was Nebraska's failure to commit to the running game and how much it costs them during the season and how the recipe to win in the Big Ten is to rely on the running game. Then they go out and run the ball 51 out of 64 plays for 292 yards and five touchdowns, and all of a sudden it's a concern that they're not throwing too much. It's You can't make everyone happy, and uh, this coaching staff has quickly found that out, that no matter what they do, there will be complaints. Uh, but you just got to take in mind that this was just the, the recipe for Fresno State and the situation they are in this point in the schedule. You don't want to show too much, so they had a very vanilla game plan, and they knew they could just pound the ball right at Fresno State's defense and basically beat them into submission. That's exactly what happened. They dominated the second half, won by 33 points. You know, wipe your hands clean, move on to week two. Well, I think you said it perfectly when they when they when you pointed out that they wanted to be vanilla this weekend. They didn't want to open up the playbook uh, and show everything the first week. And and the first thing in, of every game that they want to do is establish the line of scrimmage. They want to be physical up front, and they want to be able to run the ball in every single game. Now, it, this game just so how you know just so ever dictated that they that they ran more than you know maybe what they were thinking they were going to run. But um, they even told the recruits that were in. That, that they were going to kind of play to the strengths of the current quarterback and, and run the football a lot. So they weren't going to be seeing them toss the ball all over the yard. And that's exactly how it played out. And let's not ignore the facts here, guys. I mean, last year, Tommy Armstrong threw the most interceptions by a Big Ten quarterback since 2007. 16 interceptions. He led Division One football in individual turnovers. You cannot ignore those numbers. And this coaching staff, in my opinion, has said, we need to build a winning formula for Tommy Armstrong, and, and that is letting him be a runner, keeping him out of the pocket. And the, I don't know, Robin, were, I mean, there were only a couple of just straight three-step drops. Everything was play action, mm-hmm. rollout, 
kind of like what we had expected to see. Um, so that wasn't really a surprise. I do think not having Keith Williams, though, on the sidelines for the receivers, not having Brandon Riley uh, on Saturday as well was a big deal. Brandon will return this week. Keith Williams, obviously, is going to be out for three more games. But not having him down there, I thought it was interesting. Mike Riley said they're going to probably move Mike Cavanaugh back down to the sidelines on Saturday. And this goes back to an original thought I had when Mike Riley said this. There were no full-time coaches on the sideline for offense other than Reggie Davis. And he's not exactly a flamboyant, you know, grab-the-huddle type of coach. So I think Mike Cavanaugh being down there is twofold. I think he also needs Cavanaugh down there to kind of man and run that that sideline huddle. Yeah, and especially, you know, when you're talking about having a bunch of GAs kind of run the show down on the field and having the direct interaction with players. I mean, there's one thing to tell a guy something over the headset. There's another thing to, to have a guy sitting there right next to a player pointing things out on a play sheet. So a uh, smart move and probably should have been, you know, they experimented and it didn't work the way he liked and good on him for, you know. And it might work when Keith Williams returns. Yeah, well, I mean, just because you need vo- you need a voice down there. And again, Reggie Davis is kind of a, a quiet guy who kind of just sticks with his group. Uh, you need someone that can kind of, you know, not only handle uh, his certain position, but also kind of help, you know, keep things under control with the offense. So, um, yeah, a smart move on that part. And, you know, again, with uh, the, as the competition kicks up, uh, they're going to need to make sure they have all hands on deck down on the field, uh, you know, for when the heat of the moment starts to uh, ratchet up. Well, when you move Cav down to the sidelines, I think he can be the voice for the offensive line. And then that would, would allow Tavita Thompson to kind of have the tight ends and the wide receivers and, and be the voice there with those guys. Because it's hard to it's hard to have, you know, two or three position groups come together and, and for you to be the voice of all those guys and and kind of talk corrections and things that, that the box is seeing and relaying messages and whatever, um, especially for a first-time GA doing that. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a good move for, to have Cav down there at least until Keith Williams comes back. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, Robin Washett as we get you geared up for Saturday's game here with Wyoming. 11 a.m. kickoff in Lincoln making his homecoming return to Lincoln this week, guys. Former Husker player and defensive coordinator Craig Bowl. And what I can remember here about Craig Bowl is, I mean, I was early in my years covering the program. My first season was 1999. He took over for Charlie McBride as the defensive coordinator in 2000. Uh, when he was fired by Frank Solage in 2002, along with uh, George Darlington, the secondary coach, and Nelson Barnes, the um, defensive line coach, and then guys like Dan Young and Milt Tenenberg were kind of forced to retire, that was a very big day and moment in this program because never before in like the Devaney-Osborne era had assistant coaches been thrown down the river like that and, and firings made um, the way Solich did it that that week. and. Uh, at that point, you kind of said, well, Craig Bowles never going to probably rebound from this. But not only has this guy rebounded, winning three national championships, recruiting a number two NFL draft pick quarterback in Carson Wentz, North Dakota State, uh, but he got in a Wyoming rolling this past week with a triple overtime victory over a MAC power program in northern Illinois. They were 10-point underdogs in that game, Robin. And um, it's it's impressive. I mean, I know Husker fans were critical of Craig Bull, but I hope he is welcome back with some respect here on Saturday. Yeah, and you got to keep in mind the guy that you know the shoes he was filling. Uh, you know, when you, anybody time you got to try and place a guy like Charlie McBride, the, the bar is going to be set probably far too high to ever meet it. And so he's proven what type of coach he is. You know, everywhere he's been since, and 
Um, that's why, I, I mean, Wyoming is going to be a thorn all game long in Nebraska's side uh, just because they play disciplined football, they don't make mistakes, and they have a lot of different ways that they can beat you. And so if Nebraska doesn't show up ready to play, this is such a well-coached team that they could easily make this far more interesting than a lot of people think. Now, Nate, this was your uh, early years on the staff, but what do you remember about Craig Bowl um, and his time when you were around him um, in your first couple of seasons at Nebraska? Well, the biggest thing I remember is just that he was kind of a grinder. He was he was a quiet guy, uh, very intense individual. He was always dialed in, uh, but you know, not a guy that was um, you know out there cutting it up with his players a whole lot and and uh, you know being being kind of loosey goosey. He just seemed to always be dialed in and and very serious and and kind of uh, you know always on a mission. Whatever it was, he was he was on a beeline there to to go accomplish it. And and I think that's kind of how how he's run his programs. It's kind of a no-nonsense approach uh, to the way that, that he coaches his teams and that the way his teams play. And he plays his cards extremely close to the vest during those national championship runs. Um, I know a lot of the assistants that were in Fargo with him, some of them now are in Wyoming. You know, there were a lot of job offers that came at Craig Bull, and he never, ever kind of showed his hand to his assistants kind of what was out there. He really played that privately. He waited for the right opportunity. He could have taken some bottom tier power five jobs that would probably would have got him fired a job like a Kansas or a Purdue or, or a job of that caliber. And he, he held out. I think he strategically saw something in Wyoming that fit his culture. And he feels like in the mountain West conference, if you can be a blue collar physical team, especially in the climate conditions of Wyoming, when teams like San Diego state and UNLV and Nevada have to come into your place in November, uh, he could really develop an edge there. And, um, this year, and I believe next year, because their quarterback, Allen, is only mm-hmm. a sophomore, and he's he's good. Brian Hill is a great running back. Um, they are getting it going there in Laramie, and I'm happy for Craig Bull. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And, uh, again, uh, going back to the playing close to the vest, I mean, that was kind of his, his mantra this week when, you know, the questions started rolling in about his return to Nebraska. You know, he said it was a business trip. It's about the players, not him. Yes, I have family there, but – this is about this team and winning this football game. So, you know, typical Craig Bowl. And Craig Bowl's uh, children, recent graduates of Lincoln East High School not that long ago, so he would be back in Lincoln all the time to, to watch his son play high school football games. Well, we'll continue this discussion. We're going to talk more offense, though, next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. This past weekend, um, he told us, he told me I was going on the third drive, and I did go on the third drive, and he told me I had a certain package. So when the certain package went out there, when the certain package went out there when, on Terrell's drive, I'd go in, but then I would come out. But then the third drive, I had the whole thing. And then after that, he said, all right, we're going to figure out what we're going to do for each, and then, and then plug you guys in where we see. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus says, we move over now to offensive storylines here for the Nebraska-Wyoming game here as we get you geared up. For Saturday, it's an 11 a.m. kickoff here in Lincoln on ESPN2. And that was running back Devino Zigbo. And he was just talking about how that running back rotation played out. Uh, he said Terrell Newby got the first two series. There was a situational formation that Ozigbo would be a part of. And then Ozigbo took over the third series. And from that point on, I think it was kind of a feel. And I think that's going to be the challenge, Robin, all year. Um, how do you do this? I mean, how do you figure out who the hot hand is? There's no question someone's going to be upset. And 
Uh, that will be, I think, the challenge for Mike Riley, Danny Langsdorf, and Reggie Davis. We have your most veteran guy in the group in Terrell Newby, who didn't play all that poorly uh, on Saturday. You have your most productive running back the past two games, Divine Zigbo, uh, as your number two. And you have your freshman sensation, Trey Bryant, who averaged seven yards a carry in his first game as a Husker. So, and then last year's freshman sensation, Mikael Wilbon. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it is not an easy task by any means, and it's going to be impossible for them to keep everyone happy. And so my personal suggestion, just go by feel. I mean, it doesn't really matter who starts the game. That's kind of inconsequential. What matters is who's going to be the guy that you hitch your wagon to when the game's on the line and need to close out uh, close out a ball game. Uh, in my opinion, that's Divine Zigbo, just with the way that he's running and his ability to gain yards after contact, fall forward on every play, turn two and three yard gains into five and six yard gains. That is what wins you games in the Big Ten. And so I think if this continues to play out the way that it has been, um, you know, over the past you know couple games going back to last year, uh, it's going to be very very hard for them not to make Divine Ozigbo that number one workhorse guy. Nate, what do you think they see from newbie that kind of leads to them being you know so loyal to him and and continuing to make him the number one guy? Um, you know, when a guy like Ozigbo has a huge game like he did on Saturday. I think it's a comfort level. I mean, Terrell Newby is a, a, a senior now, and he's been in the in the system. He does everything pretty well. I think they trust him. I think trust is one word that always comes up when, when you're talking to Reggie Davis or any of the running backs, um, you know, about that room. They trust that Terrell Newby is not going to bust a play. Uh, he's not going to screw up in pass protection. There was, uh, you know, they've been preaching no negative yards plays and there were a couple times in that Fresno State game where Terrell Newby had some things go wrong in the backfield and it could have been a negative run but he was somehow was able to find his way back to the line of scrimmage and um, and that's what you get out of a veteran running back as a, as a guy that when things go bad, he can at least get back to where they started instead of putting them in, in uh, a bad situation, you know, second and 15 instead of second and 10. So I think that's it's a comfort level right now. But I tell you what, um, Reggie Davis is really impressed with what he saw out of out of Divino Zigbo and Trey Bryant. Um, he, he mentioned, hey, we don't have Imani Cross on the sidelines anymore. I need a hammer. And, and Divino Zigbo proved on, – on um, Saturday night that he could be that hammer. And I think Trey Bryan has slowly proven that, hey, he could be maybe your your most well-rounded running back of the entire group. And, and let's be honest, he's a faster, bigger, more physical version of Amani Cross. I mean, there's no question that Ozigbo, to me, is already showing more early than what Cross has shown. Cross is just so limited. I mean, he's, he's playing for the Omaha Beef right now. I, I think when you break that down, I mean, it kind of puts into perspective his talent level versus maybe past starting running back talents at Nebraska. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, as we get you geared up here for Saturday's Wyoming game with offensive storylines. You know, Tommy Armstrong ran the ball a lot, guys. Did, did he run as much about what you expected, Robin? What, what was your expectation going into Saturday? Yeah, I mean, that part, you know, obviously his passing was unexpected, but I think the number of carries he got, I mean, he was the – what second or third leading rusher on the team and had a couple touchdowns I mean that's I think that fits right into the plan that they had for him and I think that you're going to continue to see that especially with um, some of the new wrinkles we saw incorporated this fall with more just designed straight up quarterback keepers you know we didn't see that hardly at all last year and that's I think going to become a real staple of this offense going forward and um, with his skill set, I think it makes perfect sense, and especially with you know the, the debut productivity that he had on Saturday, uh, I would see no reason why that should slow down any bit. 
Yeah, I agree. I think uh, between 10 to 15 carries is probably what we're going to see. And 15 um, seems high. Though. Yeah, well, <laughs> it could in a bigger game. Yeah, in a bigger game. I mean, that that those design quarterback runs, it, it does put pressure on the defense. Uh, you've got an extra blocker all of a sudden, and uh, it kind of changes the dynamic of of the defense and how they want to go about defending you. So, um, I, I think that 10 to 15 is is not an unreasonable number to see Tommy Armstrong carrying the football going forward. Obviously, I, I think we are going to see him throw the ball a few more times than, than uh, the 10 attempts that he had. So it's going to be interesting to see what that eventual balance will be. But there's no doubt that they're going to continue to use Tommy's legs a lot more this year than they did last year. All right, let's move over now as we talk offensive storylines. Let's talk receivers. Um, Brandon Riley will return this week. I do think that's going to be a boost for this offense. But DeMornay Pearsonell, I think, continues to be a mystery um, I think maybe we got a little fooled with that August 20th scrimmage where he made a couple of plays because clearly the coaches still didn't have the confidence in him to put him back at punt returner. They told Jordan Westerkamp before the game that he was going to return all the punts. Now this week, Wyoming has a traditional punter, not a rugby guy, um, so maybe they get Pearsonell back there. Um, but the fumble that he had, Robin, and conversations that I've had with others that tell me that he didn't have – a good game from the grayed out perspective. I know Keith Williams behind the scenes was very critical of some things. And um, this is kind of a big week now for DeMornay personnel. Well, Danny Langsdorf said it himself on Wednesday. I, I, I asked him, I was like, do you, you know, obviously Mike Riley said he wants to get DPE more involved in punt return. Do you see that being the same case offensively? He says, well, the fact of the matter is he's still kind of readjusting back into the offensive game plan. I mean, he's missed a lot of football over the last few months, and uh, he's still kind of knocking some rust off and uh, easing his way back into the mix. And so that's just kind of where he is right now. I don't see him uh, being you know, capable of being the, the type of player he was before that knee injury last October, uh, at least not in the, in the short term. Can he be that player down the road? Yeah, certainly, as, as you know, he gets more comfortable and is able to uh, pick things up mentally and, and get on the same page as Tommy Armstrong and the rest of the receivers. But, um, you know, I, I think right now, as it stands, I'd, he's going to be just kind of a, an added wrinkle as opposed to being a key cog in that uh, receiver rotation. Well, and I mean, let's look at it realistically. I mean, not every guy is a Nick Chubb, you know, coming off an injury that, that's going to come out and, and look just like his normal self right away. I think uh, DeMornay De Pearsonell is probably a couple games away from being back uh, to 100% comfortable, um, 100% healthy out there and, and being more of his normal self. So uh, this, I think it's just going to continue to be a transition here over these next couple games. And as we wrap it up here on the offensive storyline segment of the Husker Online show, offensive line, I think the fact that we're not talking much about them is a good thing. Good news. Um, and I think some of it was about the game plan. When you don't put Tommy back in the pocket on three-step drops and five-step drops, you know that takes pressure off Neville. That takes pressure off Hahn and, 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 get, and some of these guys that are new out there, Tanner Farmer. When you can allow them to be physical run blockers, I think it plays more to their strength. Yeah, I agree. And you know, it's you can't really boast about not giving up a sack on thir a sack on thirteen pass attempts, but you can uh, feel pretty good about a team averaging six yards a carry on fifty-one rushing attempts. I mean, that was a dominant offensive line performance, and with three new starters, especially a guy that you know just moved to guard a couple weeks ago from tackle, uh, that that was about as good as you could have hoped for from that group. And I think certainly something to build on as the year goes on. Well, and I think it's set. 
set the tone for the season too. Those guys wanted to come out and be nasty, and they were able to do that right away. Especially Nick Gates, I think he was kind of the ringleader there, and and Pro Football Focus even rated him as as the uh, the the best run blocker of of week one. So uh, you know, great performance by those guys up front, and I think they're kind of hoping to be able to do a little bit more of that going forward. Well, we'll continue the discussion. We'll shift over to defense next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And then the other kid, Brian Hill, the running back, you know, 6'1", whatever he is, 6'1", he's a little over 200 pounds, but I don't care if he's 5'7", 165 pounds, he has got a heart of a lion. I mean, he runs hard, he pushes the pile. Uh, I put a clip together for the team today when we went through the scouting report and that. He's got great balance, great toughness. He does not go down. You're not throwing a shoulder in there. I mean, it's a, it, this is going to be a lunch bucket game. So let's go. They're your typical, you know, North Midwest team that, you know, they're tough-nosed people and they like to run the ball. And uh, we just got to show that we're bigger and better up front. And, you know, we just got to stop the run. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, and Nate Klaus as we're getting you geared up for Saturday's game here with Wyoming. 11 a.m. kickoff in Lincoln on ESPN2. And you just heard defensive coordinator Mark Banker and safety Nathan Gary uh, talking about just the challenges that this Wyoming offense might present with uh, Josh Allen, their quarterback. He, he got hurt last year after 14 plays into the season. Um, then their whole season turned at Wyoming. He's come back now as a redshirt sophomore. He's looked very impressive uh, for Wyoming in what he's been able to do. And then Brian Hill, the running back, led the Mountain West Conference in rushing last year, uh, nearly 140 yards per game. There's no doubt that there's going to be some challenges that this game's going to present. Well, I mean, just talk about the ultimate difficult matchup for a defense, a team that can move the ball consistently on the ground, and then you got a playmaker quarterback who can extend drives with his arm and his legs, and just kind of one of those uh, just instinctual Russell Wilson-type guys that just finds ways to make plays. So uh, this will be, a, a, like I said earlier, I think this is going to be a much more difficult challenge than a lot of people think. Uh, the spread being 24.5 points, that seems a little high to me. I think Wyoming is just going to be pesky and not go away and make life very, very difficult for Nebraska on both sides of the ball. And again, with this offensive formula that Craig Bull has drawn up out there at Wyoming, this could be a, an interesting night on Saturday. Well, I think you have to match intensity and physicality with intensity and physicality here, but not get lulled to sleep and, and not kind of get uh, you know bored, I guess, with the run game because you you if you lose your keys and lose your um, lose your eyes, you're going to get burnt on on some big plays, and, uh, and that's going to be the challenge for Nebraska. This Wyoming team is not going to come in here intimidated by Nebraska. A lot of these kids on this roster are familiar with Nebraska. They're either from Nebraska or from the surrounding areas, and um, you know, and they would love nothing more than to, to knock the Huskers off. So this is going to be, you know, I mean, a four four round fight here, um, and uh, and Nebraska can't afford to go in there thinking that they've got this game won. You're listening here to the Husker Alliance show. Uh, this segment brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill with five locations in Omaha, two in Lincoln with an 11 a.m. game this week. Make sure you stop by Tanner's on your way uh, after the game or a uh, new location here in Lincoln. They'll be opening up here as well. They're taking over the old grandmothers, and that's set to open up here sometime here later in September right next to Seacrest Stadium, though. So make sure you check out Tanner Sports Bar and Grill now with seven locations in the Omaha and Lincoln area. And, and as we shift focus now uh, back to defensive storylines here, um, 
I was pleasantly surprised, guys, with the defensive line. I didn't know what to expect. Ross Dezuris played well. Uh, you, you look at A.J. Natter. He has never played really in his career and, and got some meaningful snaps um, uh, in this past week's game as a redshirt junior. I really credit John Perella uh, on those two guys and, and what he got. I was a little surprised, though, um, that the Davis twins, Carlos and Khalil, did not take as many snaps. I think maybe we've, I don't want to say bought in a little much too much to the hype, but uh, maybe they're not quite as ready as we thought. But uh, in all, Robin, I was impressed with that defensive line. You also got to take into account, too, that you know Nebraska was running a lot of three linemen sets um, with, you know, kind of playing to their strengths a little bit more with linebackers and more to linebackers and defensive backs on the field. So uh, the amount of reps weren't quite the same as there would be, a, you know, like there might be on Saturday. So I think we'll start to see that D-line uh, get a little bit deeper into that rotation and guys playing a little bit more snaps. But, yeah, I agree. I mean, for considering the opponent they had that ran the ball only, what, 26 times and uh, spent most of their plays throwing out on the perimeter, you know, with you know quick three-step drops, there wasn't really a lot of opportunity to rack up a lot of stats, which makes Ross Dezers' you know, two sacks and three tackles for loss that much more impressive. But, uh, yeah, certainly nothing overwhelming, but they didn't get, you know, destroyed by any means and for that being the weakest point of the defense you know what was considered going into the start of the season uh, I think pretty good all things considered I, I biggest surprise for me was AJ Natter uh, I mean this is a kid who I I personally I had pretty much written off I mean he hadn't really done anything in his career I know he would battled some injuries and everything but um, really had not lived lived up to the potential or to the hype coming in and um, and I think you do have to give a lot of credit to John Perella for developing all those guys, but especially A.J. Natter. He looks to be healthy. He was out there making plays, which was nice to see. Um, nice to see Ross Azuris as active as he was. And, um, you know, and all those guys really, I think, uh, are, they're going to like what they're, what they're facing this next week uh, with Wyoming and, and that downhill attack and chance to get real physical and, and – uh, uh, again, all gas, no brakes with, with those guys, and I think we'll see a lot more of a rotation this week. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk defensive storylines here uh, to watch in the 11 a.m. Wyoming game here on ESPN2. Um, when, you, when you look at linebacker, they played well. I, I, I was impressed with those guys as well. Uh, Josh Banderas in the middle didn't really get an opportunity to make a lot of tackles because of all the th stuff mm -hmm. on the perimeter uh, but that group, to me, is going to be a strength. I thought they had a nice game on Saturday. Yeah, I played about six guys um, regularly in that rotation, and each guy kind of had their own individual role. I mean, you had your base starters, um, newbie, Banderas, and Young, but Michael Rose-Ivy played some snaps. Uh, Luke Gifford played some snaps, and um, Muhammad Berry got some reps as well. Uh, missing somebody there, but... Anyway, uh, yeah, I thought they did well. And, again, the, the statistics, you take those with a grain of salt just because, I mean, there really wasn't much of a running game to rack up tackles. And um, you know, I think that you really kind of throw those out. But what they did well was their coverage underneath. I think that was probably one of their you know, things they excelled in the most against Fresno State. And that's something that's going to be real valuable, uh, especially here in a couple of weeks when a little bit more potent passing game comes to Lincoln. All right, let's, let's shift over to the secondary now as we move on to the storylines. I, I thought this was a question going into the game with no Nate Gary and no Antonio Reed Kyron Williams Aaron Williams kind of being left back there to man those safety spots uh, a guy like Lamar Jackson was put into a, a big role uh, but you know Nate Kyron Williams is somebody he was a late addition he was a recruit that most Nebraska fans didn't know much about um, he's played well on special teams but 
man, he, it looked like he turned the corner a little bit on Saturday on the defense. Yeah, Kyron Williams came from the Air Force Prep Academy. I mean, this is a kid nobody knew about. Um, and Charlton Warren had recruited him out of high school, and he was spent one year at the Prep Academy and then got him to transfer to Nebraska. But um, I was super impressed and, and happy for Kyron Williams. He's worked very hard. He's, he has tried to find a niche on special teams early on in his career, and, and he he's really seized the moment and had a heck of a game uh, on Saturday night. And, and I think that uh, what he showed you is he, he showed you he can have, um, you know, he can force turnovers and, and, and make big plays in the passing game and also uh, be a guy to, to, to fill run support. So uh, really, I think he made a case for himself, as I mentioned earlier, to, to maybe even be in the black shirt conversation and, and, and more playing time going down the road. What I remember about Kyron Williams and his recruitment was he actually interrupted Robin Washett's wedding when he made his announcement. <laughs> And uh, Nate yeah. and I were at the wedding at the Nebraska State Capitol, and, and Nate actually had to leave the ceremony to report Kyron Williams' commitment. So I'm glad that he is doing something, <laughs> because anybody that's going to interrupt your wedding, Robin, better make an impact. I'm saying he should probably earn a black shirt just for that, that, that qualifier right there. And by the way, that's how dedicated we are. We will interrupt <laughs> a wedding to cover a commitment, and that's... Oh. Of all weddings, it was probably the most understanding groom. Uh, yeah. No, that sometimes sometimes the timing doesn't quite work out in your favor. Briefly, Rob, let's talk Lamar Jackson as we close up here on, on defensive backs. Ups and downs, he was targeted 11 times, but I think this was good. Give him baptism by fire. He's going to get better. We know the physical talent's there. He got the live bullets, and I think those live bullets are going to make him a lot better. Yeah, and the key is, you know, with a freshman like that, when you kind of throw him to the wolves a little bit like that, is to not uh, have a balance between uh, not throwing too much at him and also maintaining his confidence. So uh, I thought he did a good job. You know, obviously he gave up the touchdown, had some, you know, mis misplays, whatever. But I think, you know, for his first game, I think he learned a lot and will only benefit because of it. Well, that wraps it up here for our talk on the defensive storylines. A segment, once again, brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill with five locations in Omaha, including the new location on North 90th Street, two locations in Lincoln with the newest one off of 70th and A set to open here later this month. And we'll continue uh, with our discussion as we'll bring in our intern, Matt Reynoldson, and go through the Husker Online weekly mailbag. That's next year. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Uh, it was tough, um, you know, mentally and physically, but, you know, after the, watching film with the guys, I thought they did a really good job in stepping up. Um, you know, we had a lot of young guys back there in the secondary, but I thought, you know, the corners played real well. And I thought the communication between Kyron and uh, Aaron, the effort was there. I was joking with the guys, I was like, well, if I was going to miss the game, you know, I'm kind of glad it was that one. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, and our intern Matt Reynoldson joins us here as we do our weekly Husker Online mailbag segment. And Matt, uh, lots of questions here as Nebraska gets ready for Wyoming. We just heard from Nathan Gary and Brandon Riley who will be coming back this week off their one-game suspensions. Uh, give us an idea, Matt, what's in the mailbag. Well, springboarding off of that for our first question, with Gary coming back, which DB from last week gets left out of the nickel package, Lamar Jackson or Aaron Williams? That's a good question. Um, I don't think you're going to see as much nickel or dime this week anyway with, with the, what, what Nebraska is going to run against Wyoming and, and the style of offense Wyoming is going to run. But 
I think we won't see as much Lamar Jackson this week. I, I just think the style of this game is not going to allow him on the field maybe as much, Robin. Yeah, in two weeks from now, when Oregon comes to town, you'll see a lot more of him. But with the style of offense, Wyoming plays, and the fact that they do run the football so much, uh, you're going to want your best players on the field. And coming out of fall camp, Aaron Williams was the number one nickel. And you want Josh Clue, who's your top corner, out on the boundary. And so, yeah, I think the odd man out is Lamar Jackson. All right, let's keep the mailbag rolling here. Sticking with the secondary theme, with Antonio Reed back this week, do you see him taking some time away from Kyron Williams at safety? Or with his play last Saturday, will Kyron take most of the snaps opposite of Gary? I think Kyron Williams really earned a lot of playing time last week with what he showed in that game. I I just think his ability and and some of the things that he showed, it would be hard not to put him on the field. He led Nebraska in tackles. He had a big interception. He played really aggressive. Um, I think Antonio Reed... It's going to be a wait-and-see approach. I, I just think he missed some time in camp. We didn't really see him, Robin, make a lot of plays in camp. No, and one thing that Mark Banker did say before Antonio Reed went down a week ago was that the, all three of those guys are going to play. Now it's just a matter of how those snaps are divvied up. But uh, I agree, Kyron Williams made quite the argument to see more playing time, and with the fact that they're going to be more in their base defense, um, I mean, there's only so many reps to go around. I mean, Nate Geary is going to play probably the whole game, and so the the rotation is going to be between Aaron Williams and Kyron Williams, I think, with Antonio Reed seeing some spot time uh, in reserve. Yeah, Kyron Williams definitely solidified himself, I, I think, as a legit possibility there, maybe even as a guy who deserved to have a black shirt. So uh, with Antonio Reed coming back, you might see him if they do go dime, which I highly doubt against Wyoming, but uh, that's about the only time I expect to see Antonio read on the field you're listening here to the husker online show as we go through the weekly mailbag sean callahan robin washett and nate klaus as matt reynoldson takes us now through the mailbag and it's the question about the offense everyone wants to know what's the run pass ratio this week that's a great question uh, i last week it was 80 20 so I, it kind of panicked a lot of people especially when you had um, some five-star and four-star recruits in town that are really going to try to buy in on the future I I lean towards more like a 60-40, 65-35. I still think it's going to be run heavy, but not as much run heavy. And um, it's funny, people want to run the ball, but hey, maybe not so much. Yeah, well, and Danny Lingsdorf said himself that 60-40 is the ideal balance run pass. Uh, but he also noted that it's a week-to-week thing. I mean, different uh, opponents are going to present different game plans when they ha- feel like they have the opportunity to run the ball down a team's throat, which they did the past two games going back to the bowl game. They're going to do it. And so it, it's kind of just a whatever the defense you know presents and the advantages that they give, Nebraska's going to take advantage of it. Well, and Nick Gates kind of talked about it yesterday. They like to they want to establish a physical presence off the line right away, and, and the the best way to do that is with the run game, and and the defense will dictate uh, how much you run from there. I I don't think that we'll see quite as I don't know thirteen pass <laughs> pass attempts going forward against uh, Wyoming, but I definitely don't think it's going to be forty plus either. All right, let's look at this historically then. What Husker QB from the last 20 years would be the best fit for the pro-style offense Coach Riley would like to run? I mean, is there any question Zach Taylor? Yeah, I mean, First guy I, that came to mind. I, and I know people are going to cringe, but I think Sam Keller would yeah, probably be the next guy. That would have been number two on my <laughs> list too. And after that, Joe Gans. Yeah, Joe Gans. Basically, all Callahan's guys. Yep. <laughs> I mean, Zach Taylor. I mean, Zach Taylor would be the perfect would be the perfect fit. And essentially, that's kind of what you have, you've got coming up in, in a Tanner Lee, except maybe Tanner Lee has a little bit more arm talent. But, uh, yeah, Zach Taylor would be the perfect fit for the system. Um, it would be pretty interesting to see, you know, if, 
had Tanner Lee or had Zach Taylor type of player come in right right when Riley was hired, you know, and they they were kind of able to uh, make that make that transition with him. Well, and Taylor, you, you have to remember, he didn't come in until the second year of Bill Callahan either, and and it was kind of a similar deal. It was an insurance policy to the freshman Harrison Beck, who. If you if you follow the Red Sea Scrolls on, there's an interesting YouTube video about Harrison Beck's cleaning service. He now operates. I think it's is it called Cleanosaur. Cleanosaur. <laughs> okay, I digress. Let's move on to the mailbag here. Okay, uh, so there's a little bit of concern about recruiting in the uh, in the mailbag this week. A little bit of a nervous vibe. Uh, one asks, do you see the Calabrasca movement as a passing fad, given the Tajon and Lenoir commitments and the change in attitudes by Calvin Holmes and Bookie? No, I, I don't think so. I, we, uh, Nebraska's got a lot of momentum there, and, and we've seen these kids. Um, you know, I, I think it kind of it, it does kind of come and go. We saw a large wave of it for the spring game when a lot of those guys were there for the spring game. And then a couple months went by and, and it kind of faded off a little bit. But now that these guys are visiting again, we're seeing that excitement come back. And you're seeing some new players uh, that are excited about it as well, like a Jalen Red and a Thomas Graham, both 100, you know, rivals 100 prospects that are very high on Nebraska all of a sudden. And both had great visits this past weekend. So um, I think there's still plenty for fans to be excited about, and I definitely don't see that Calabrasca movement fading. We'll keep the mailbag moving here. Anything else, anything else in the mailbag? Well, we, I have one from last week that I never got to ask. <laughs> I know this one. Yeah, it's about the uh, it's about the interns. They're wondering, uh, gun to your head, which intern do you fire? <laughs> That's a tough one. And why? And why? And why? That's a tough one. Um, <laughs> I, I don't even want to fire. I don't want to go there. Um, <laughs> You guys are just so young weak, and weak. <laughs> we'll, we'll make this a forum. We'll go around and see if they have more interesting answers. I, as of right now, I'm not going to fire either of you. You guys have survived uh, a month and a half, and, and hopefully uh, you'll survive a lot longer than that. I will say David has sought my approval far more than you have. So he's right now he's my favorite intern. Oh, okay. Matt uh, has a better ability to, to grow facial hair, though. <laughs> So, you know, I think it, I think things are pretty even right now. Now, yeah. you were in show choir camp for a week during fall camp, and you missed a big week. So that did kind of lower you down on, on, on the pecking order of intern likeness. Well, as it should have. But, you know, singing and dancing, it's got hey. to be up there in the priority. <laughs> we're going to have to get that on the video. But that wraps it up here for this week's version of the Husker Online Mailbag. Thanks again here to Husker Online interns Matt Reynoldson and David Eichold, who put this together. Much more talk here as we shift over to recruiting. You're listening here. Here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus as we wrap things up with some Husker recruiting talk. And, you know, Nate, it was a, a huge weekend for Nebraska. I mean, it was regarded as the best weekend ever as uh, the number of official visitors that were ranked four and five stars. There were nine uh, official and unofficial visitors. Uh, Darnay Holmes was technically not an official, but a five-star prospect here as well. When you break it all down, what was your biggest takeaway to come out of this star-studded weekend in Lincoln? I think the biggest thing for me was, uh, like you said, all the talent that was on campus. Hold on, um, just started again. From I think the biggest thing. Well, I think the big, I think the biggest thing for me was all the talent that was on campus, um, you know, and, and the positive reviews. I mean, 
I, it's not very often you hear a negative review from a recruit, recruit following an official visit, but um, these a lot of these guys were. It was the first time they had been there. Um, you know, Donovan's people, Jones. Uh, was a, the five-star wide receiver out of Michigan, uh, Foster Sorrell, the five-star offensive tackle out of Washington. Um, you know, those guys are, are players uh, that hadn't been to Nebraska before. Jalen Red, Thomas Graham, all those guys hadn't been to Nebraska before, and almost every one of them brought their parents along with them, and their parents really enjoyed the trip, and they were all blown away. And and it it, it doesn't it never ceases to amaze me that you know all these kids they, they hear about Nebraska, they hear about the game day atmosphere atmosphere but and really until they're able to experience it, it, it the words just really don't do it justice and so that was one thing that all those kids uh took away with them is is just that atmosphere and and it was special you know those guys mentioned the the sam fultz tribute uh that's something that they'll never forget uh the tunnel walk was was big for a couple of those guys and uh you know each guy just had had one or two different things that they definitely um you know remember from that game and we'll we'll continue to remember from that game we're talking recruiting here on the Husker online show as we wrap things up uh, with Nate Klaus and you know one name Nate that has been high and we uh, we've talked to him for a long time uh, about Nebraska is Jameer Calvin he was here for the spring game uh, we had extensive talks with him at the Calabrasca satellite camp um, in, in June we talked to him about Nebraska heavily in Atlanta at the rivals five-star challenge and at that time we both thought he would be a Husker commit um, things have changed a little bit. Uh, what did Saturday do for a guy like four-star wide receiver Jameer Calvin? I think it reinforced a lot of the things that he likes about Nebraska. Um, you know, and, and and I think that he was able to find out a little bit more about the pros and cons in general. And that's what he talked about following the trip is that, um, you know, the all the pros, uh, those were all kind of reinforced. And, and he found – he said, uh, you know, it was a quick a cryptic quote, you know, something to the effect of, you know, I found out more about the cons that I, you know, I learned learned out a little bit more about those for myself. And and the big question is, okay, well, what are the cons? And, and I think, um, you know, from reading between the lines, from being able to, to talk with Jameer Calvin so much, I think the, the biggest cons for him is that – that Lincoln, Nebraska is not California. And, and, but at the same time, no place uh, outside of California is going to be California. So um, when you look at the schools that he's really interested in, I think it's, it's Lincoln and, and Nebraska and, and it's Notre Dame. So South Bend is not like California either. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't read too much into those comments. I know some fans kind of freaked out when, when, they, when they read that update. But uh, I think the fact of the matter is he still has a great relationship with Keith Williams. His parents have been up here twice now uh, for visits. And, uh, you know, and, and the thing about him is that he's tried to make his recruiting process a little less transparent. I, I think it was, there was no question early on that how much he loved Nebraska and that Nebraska was right at the top of his list. But as the months have kind of gone along, he's, he's tried to become less and less transparent. He wants to take a couple of other visits before making a decision. And, uh, and I think one of those places will be to Notre Dame. And, uh, and then we'll kind of see what happens from there. But I still feel like Nebraska's you know, right in the mix here. What, do you, what about timeline for a lot of these guys? Are any of the visitors in Lincoln, you think, close to decisions? Or will this be, for the most part, a group of guys that's going to ex extend things into December and the All-Star Game season in January, maybe even ESPNU on National Signing Day? Yeah, that's the thing about this visitor group is I think uh, while Nebraska is in the mix with, with pretty much everyone who visited, I wouldn't expect any commitments to come out of this weekend until – 
at least until towards more towards the end of the season or until the the all-american game announcements or even on signing day because they're all highly recruited you know four and five star type players and a lot of them are planning on taking all their visits and and uh and taking all their visits with their parents and that's that's one thing with the new rule change that that i've really started to notice is that a lot of these guys, you know, since the university can pay for their parents to come on the trips now, a lot of those guys did bring their parents. But now they're also saying, I'm going to take, you know, the rest of my official visits with my parents as well. And and I think um, that's a little bit of a, a change from what we've seen in the past because we haven't always seen each and every kid take all five of his visits and, and all five visits with his parents. But uh, I think we're going to see that, which is going to prolong the recruiting process just a little bit. So Nebraska fans are going to have to be – be a little bit patient I do think we get some uh you know I think we'll see some commits come out of this weekend but uh I think if you're a Nebraska fan you're gonna have to be a little patient and, and wait for that to happen now we're talking uh, recruiting storylines here at Nate Klaus on the Husker Online show it's an 11 a.m game here Saturday against Wyoming 11 a.m games Nate have typically not been games you want to bring recruits into unless they can only make that game I think one of the few Real big, successful 11 a.m. visitors was Zach Bowman years ago, a five-star. Was Marta Lucky an 11 a.m. guy, too? Or, I'm trying to remember. Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. There was another visitor that, that weekend with Zach. Uh, it was Zach Bowman. I think that was the Southern Miss game when Joe They Daly, lost in 04, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, uh, yeah, that worked out well uh, for Nebraska. Uh, even though right after that game, I remember thinking, oh, gosh, gosh that, that could not have gone worse to have a five-star Juco cornerback on campus and to see him witness that. But uh, he ended up committing um, and uh, ended up being quite the player for Nebraska. But, yeah, getting players in for 11 a.m. is difficult. Plus, it's it's just not the ideal atmosphere uh, inside Memorial Stadium. I mean, each game is, is, has a good atmosphere, but I'll tell you what, those 11 a.m. games – they they start off pretty slow. It's it's like the whole crowd is kind of groggy and and hungover and or they're they're wishing that they were still out tailgating at, at, at the beginning and uh, it takes them a little while to to get into the crowd or you know to get into the game and everything. So um, yeah, the I don't I don't expect any official visitors this weekend. I think there could be one or two that that end up making it into town, but uh, for the most part, I think we'll see another monster weekend for the Oregon game and. I think that's shaping up to be another, you know, 10 to 12 visit weekend. Yeah, generally um, the 11 a.m. games are more in-state kind of walk-on building weekends. And, you know, Kenny Wilhite now kind of running that for Nebraska has done a great job um, of targeting in-state guys. There was a good group of in-state kids here as well that did not have offers this past weekend. And I expect you'll see some of those guys here again. Briefly, Nate, give us just a tease of Oregon, like uh, some of the top names that will be in Lincoln um, a week from now for that Oregon game. Uh, well, you, you've got a handful of commitments that are going to be in town. Uh, guys like Javon McQuitty, Keyshawn Johnson Jr., Tristan Jebbia will all be back in town. Uh, ben Hutch is, is a three-star defensive tackle, 6'3", 315-pound kid out of Tennessee that will be in town. Uh, you know, uh, Trajan Cotton is another very important visitor for Nebraska. He's a cornerback uh, slash athlete out of uh, Northern California. Is actually – Really, really close friends with Lamar Jackson. Those two played on the same seven-on-seven seven team, um, you know, and he'll be in town for that weekend. 
Um, there's still a possibility that, that Joseph Lewis visits for the Oregon game, although I think that that trip um, you know, could be pushed back a little later on. And maybe the, the surprise of the weekend um, you know, could be Alaric Williams, who is a, a four-star running back committed to Auburn, has developed a, a good relationship with Reggie Davis. And, and this kid has had a dynamite senior season so far. Uh, and he could very well be you know, Nebraska's number one running back on the board all of a sudden um, and and he's Auburn has a couple running backs committed in this class so I think he's kind of looking around to, to see what else is out there and Nebraska has most definitely caught his attention well it's going to be a busy recruiting weekend again uh, for that Oregon game and uh, the Huskers though must first take care of business here on Saturday against Wyoming thanks again to Robin Washett and Nate Klaus as we wrap up here another edition of the Husker Online Show Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 